0: Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place all by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate Were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Word of God, word of
1: life. You may be seated. Good morning. One of my favorite mementos from college is this wrinkled post-it note. penned by my best friend, Deb, and it reads, Christian Dibdahl is a bookworm. <laughs> One day, I returned to my favorite study table in the library, and I found it sticking out of my dictionary, marking the page with the definition of bookworm. All my friends in college knew where to find me if I wasn't out and about on campus I was at, my office, they called it, on the second floor of Gould Library, happily tucked into this perfect study nook in the stacks. I don't get to that office anymore, but I have another favorite spot at my local library, and I feel so at home there. Over the years, I've thought about buying into one of these new um, hip co-working spaces, but I would miss running into my neighbors and being interrupted by the occasional toddler and hearing the whir of the copy machine and the hunt and peck of uh, fingers working on a resume. I, I read this article by Margaret Kearney, and she was writing about the Brooklyn Public Library in the Christian century, and she captured the magic of the library for me. She writes, the logic of the library runs counter to other American institutions. See, libraries produce nothing, they sell nothing, they encourage loitering, and they don't police it. They offer free services without mandating that anyone receive them or requiring recipients to submit to a demeaning process of demonstrating their need. At the library, you can learn English. You can take classes in computers or Chinese brush painting. You can practice chair Zumba. I don't think I want to do that yet. You can get an ID without citizenship. You can see art made by people in prison. You can enjoy heat or air conditioning if your home lacks them or if you don't have a home. And if you seek respite from the daily grind of life or a place for your mind just to grow quiet, you can find that too among the stacks. The thing about a public library is that it doesn't make any sense in our capitalist society. There's no cost of membership. All are welcome to enter its doors. All are welcome to find something you need, even if it means a little chaos mixed in with the quiet. Books with all sorts of wild and beautiful ideas are procured by the library and then just lent to strangers, yes, with the hope that they will be returned, but mostly with the hope that they will be read. What the library has, it must give away, she writes, simply to become more a library, after each day is done and the last librarian shuts the lights off and locks the door, somehow, somehow, there's always more to share the next day with those who are coming next. If you think about it, the feeding of the 5,000 makes no sense to us for some of the same reasons a public library makes no sense. There were no costs of admission to this dinner party on that day, no barriers to entry. It was come as you are from wherever you are coming. Come with your stories, come with your burdens, come with your hopes, come with your belief that being, just being in Jesus' presence would provide something that you desperately need. Was it compassion on that day? Was it healing on that day? Was it food for a hungry belly? Jesus said, just come. The disciples, if you notice, can't make heads or tails of Jesus' direction to keep the crowd around. I don't blame them, because this this isn't the way the system works now. And it's not the way the system worked then, Food was scarce. There were no free lunches in the ancient world. And their thought was to send the crowds back into the town to fend for themselves. And that was just intuitive. But Jesus acts in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the abundant food that was created had to be given away. This is the way Jesus works. This is the way God works. There's no other way but for the Spirit to create a way when there is no way. To subvert the system that says no, to open the floodgates with grace upon grace until all who are hungry are filled, including the ones who would come the very next day I'm imagining, for the basket of leftovers. It doesn't make logical sense. But this is the strange economy of the God we worship. Like the disciples, we can only see what is happening and create, being created in our midst and then lend a hand. What a strange coincidence that the lectionary should rest in this text the morning after such an amazing display of the Spirit in community on the Mount Olivet grounds last night. People came, some we knew, some were just getting to know. We ate, we drank, we talked, we laughed, we enjoyed brilliant music. The Spirit was a force for feeding souls, each in in different ways. And the Spirit was a force for engaging hundreds of people in the giving of time, in the giving of talent, in the giving of real resources in this work of God. And there were leftovers, were there not, for our feeding partners, prism and loaves and fishes and every meal, and those on the margins whom they serve. Any basic economic analysis would just tell you that an event like this is inefficient. Why not just solicit some big donors to write some big checks to our partners and be done? But the spirits movement in the world is not efficient. It's not orderly. It's not concerned with the easy way out or the way things have always been done. The spirit's movement is radically concerned with being inclusive, with touching as many people as possible, with alleviating the suffering of those on the margins. The spirit's movement is chaotic and sometimes time-intensive. It's extravagant and counterintuitive. In the last month or so, we've been working our way through the book of Matthew with Jesus' teaching through parables. Last week, Pastor Beth preached about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, like yeast, like a treasure hidden in a field, like a net. And some scholars believe that after having spent so much energy spinning stories to try and get through to his followers, Jesus needs to act. He needs to make a huge impression that will leave a mark. And so he physically shows them that the kingdom of heaven is like a supernatural feeding of 5,000 and more strangers with but five loaves of bread and two fish. How about this parable? As promised on a perfect summer night with no rain, no bugs, and a light breeze to keep everyone comfortable, the kingdom of heaven is like a community filled to the brim with bruised eats and beets, with leftovers to share with no- those who need them the most. Or how about this parable? The kingdom of heaven is like the Brooklyn Public Library, where all it has and all it will ever have must be given away, just to be more of itself. I wonder, Mount Olivet, what parable is just waiting to be written next? Amen.